Hey guys, welcome back to the Booked and Boozy podcast. It is your co-host Jada and Brooke. And today we are going to be covering Blood and Honey. If you haven't read the book, don't worry. We just saved you a lot of fucking time. If you have read the book and you also feel very upset, then welcome. Take a couple shots and get ready for this literal slam fest that we are about to go on. I couldn't agree more, Jada. (laughs) (laughs) My blood is like already boiling. I just need to like pour myself a shot (laughs) already. We need to crack into the drinks. (laughs) Well, we're drinking the same thing today actually for once, which is super exciting because we're always drinking something different. But this was Brooke's idea. So Brooke, I want you to I want you to tell the people what we drink in. Okay, sure. So <clears throat> yesterday to prep for this podcast, I went to the liquor store, not knowing what I wanted, just walked in, was looking around, and the dude that works there was like, You need any help? And I was like, Yeah, sure, I have a podcast and we I try to do something different every week, just to try different things. And he was like, I got you. And he took me over to the vodka section, and I don't know if it's new period or if it's just new to my area but it's called wild roots apple and cinnamon infused vodka and it's strong i haven't tried it yet but i'm just looking at the numbers here and i'm like oof (laughs) so jada and i are drinking the apple and cinnamon infused vodka with apple cider jada has already taken a few sips tell us what you think i think it is immaculate like this is fall in a fucking cup it's really hot where i live so i didn't heat it up once it gets around november time i can definitely see myself like heating this up a little bit with like actual fresh apple cider from a crock pot pouring that sucker in and like living my best life jada's already been sipping on hers she really really likes it so i wanted to kind of have a live reaction on the podcast of what i think so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take like half a shot to a shot i'm just gonna pour some in there and try it because i want to try it raw have you tried it like straight um no i haven't but i can Ooh, let's do it together i'm only doing a sippy sip though because i already got enough in my cup already and the fact that like it tastes good and that's the problem something like this that tastes good will get you fucked up in an instant oh yeah i'm counting on it okay (laughs) ready (laughs) Yep. One, One, two, three. three. Holy fuck. That's stronger than I thought. It came out my nose. (laughs) (laughs) The burn, it came out my nose. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, that's strong. That apple cider is masking the fuck out of this. I'm honestly scared for my life right now. (laughs) It's good though. I like it. No, it's really good. Jada and I read this book together so this is the first book that we've actually read together and we actually did like a zoom meeting last night and we just read together like not out loud just in our head she played some harry potter music which is probably going to be like ruined (laughs) for me (laughs) it's already ruined because of fucking jk rowling but whatever (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and my time we zoom recorded and read from 8 p.m 
to 5 a.m. my time. I was up till 5 a.m. And by the time I finished the book, we finished the book at like 4 a.m. my time. And then we just ranted for like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We were feeling very passionate. It did not matter how long we had been on the Zoom reading. Like we had fucking opinions. And today (laughs) is just going to be it. This is going to be a rough one, guys. We were upset. Like, (laughs) after we ranted for an hour and it was like 5 a.m. my time, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm so fucking pissed. (laughs) No, and the thing is, Brooke, she got off of the Zoom. She's like, okay, like, it's 5 a.m. my time. I really need to sleep. This bitch, not two seconds later, is Snapchatting me. Like, I'm pouring myself a drink. (laughs) She's like, I can't do this. I was, I was like trying to calm myself down, like get in the mood to go to sleep. And I was like, I can't, like I could feel the rage creeping up my neck. And I was like, I need a shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> and all we had in the house was Jack Daniels whiskey. And like, I fucking hate whiskey. Like it is one of the worst things I've ever put in my mouth. And I took a shot of whiskey just to like <laughs> help myself go to sleep at five fucking AM. I was so mad. All right, so let's go ahead and move into the polls. Jada, which poll are you going to be speaking about? I am going to be speaking about, did the Archbishop deserve a redemption arc from Serpent and Dove? Me and Brooke disagree on this, but let's see what the people said first. 38% said yes for closure, and 62% said, nah, he deserved it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your input because... I wanted him killed off, and I'm glad he stayed dead. I don't mind that he died. I just wish he would have died differently, or they would have had, like, a last good conversation. It was just not a good situation all around, and now Lou kind of feels, you know, she's got this mother that hates her, and, like, her father kind of pretty much hated her, too. So, I don't know. Actually, you know what? I'm changing my – I'm changing. You're changing? Yes. Why? I'm siding with you now because if the archbishop wouldn't have died the way that he did, we wouldn't have had to suffer as much through blood and honey. But if he wouldn't have died the way that he did, Lou would be dead. Well, I'm just saying if it was written differently, like if it was someone else's life instead of the archbishop, like I kind of wish she would have written it like the archbishop like had understanding of why Reed chose him, but he couldn't see the magic that was happening. That's what I wanted. But unfortunately he didn't. And the fact that Reed killed him and saw that confusion in his eyes, he felt like he killed his own father and we had to deal with him like the entire book. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So maybe I'm switching sides. I had kind of wished for different reasons. Like I wish the archbishop like would have sacrificed himself instead of just being like a martyr. No, yes. I would, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. Kind of stood up. It would have given Lou that closure. She would have been like, wow, he really does care for me. Died. He was nixed off. Next. You know, I don't mind that he died. I just wish he would have died differently. So my poll, I posted today (laughs) after I woke up at like noon because I was so fucking tired. (laughs) My poll was, did you enjoy Blood and Honey? And then underneath, I put, be honest. (laughs) 20% said yes, and 80% said no. 
and that's that's the right that's yeah I was surprised to find out because we posted like our reaction to the ending of the book and there were so many people that were like wow like this was on my tbr and I was scared to read it because of all the negative reviews and you guys are just like validating that now I'm really scared and I was like I was scared too and look look what happened for good reason I feel like this is a good time to put out our disclaimer, right? Yeah, go for it. So unfortunately, you already get the tone of our episode. We did not like the book. You will find out our ratings at the very end. However, I'll already tell you it's not good. This is kind of going to be different than any other episode that we have done so far because we came in completely blind together reading this book. Normally, one of us reads the book first, and so we kind of have some idea, or you guys just recommend it to us over and over and over again. This is not to say that you can't enjoy the book. Do not go 100% based off our opinions. Of course, we don't want you guys to spend money on something that you actually hate just because we had recommended you guys to read it for the podcast. However, you know, everyone has their own opinion. Also, we still love Shelby, even though we're a little mad. (laughs) A little mad at the book. But that also doesn't mean that she didn't work hard, that, you know, when she put this out there, this is what she wanted for the characters. I understand her creative discretion and everything under the sun. So please just know that we are not coming from a malicious place. This is just our own thoughts, our own opinions, what we wanted for the characters, not necessarily what the author had intended for the characters. And also one more (laughs) disclaimer, we love Serpent and Dove. If you didn't listen to our last episode, we were obsessed with the book. We both gave it five out of five stars. All right. So Just know that we don't hate the series entirely. We just don't necessarily love Blood and Honey. And that's all I need to say. Do you feel like you need to add anything? Did I say it appropriately? You said it 100% appropriately. Um, I definitely agree with everything you just said. Um, Disappointment. Disappointment is just kind of the word that I think kind of sets the tone for this book. And so... Enjoy us being supported (laughs) for the next hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) So the story starts off, um, if you remember the cliffhanger in the last book, basically they escape Morgana or Morgane, however you pronounce her name. Um, They escape and they go into hiding. They pretty much realize that everybody from all sides are against them and are looking for them. The king, the church and the witches are all coming for their blood. They come in for their asses. They dig, I guess, <laughs> underground. And that's kind of where they live. They live like chipmunks for a while. Underneath the ground, kind of like swinging from the roots of the trees, Madame LaBelle, she's given off a bunch of magic to hide them so they won't be found. And then this cat shows up and they're like, who are you? <laughs> And that is Absalon, one of our fave characters. 
He's the front runner of this show. I don't know if that tells you about how we thought about books, but our favorite animal was someone who couldn't speak. <laughs> they call it a matagot. So apparently it's like a spirit of someone who's passed and kind of latches onto someone who's having a hard time. And they're trying to figure out who the cat is here for. They're in this hole underground. They're starving, scared, and horny. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou and Reed dabble a little bit in exhibitionism. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, look it up. They like start getting naked and like they about to have their time. And then Bo is like, I'm a horny bastard too, but like, I don't want to use this shit. <laughs> God, and it made me think of this one time I spent the night on New Year's Eve at my friend's house. And oh my God, I remember this. That had just gotten together. We're like laying on an air mattress in the same room as us. And Brad and I were like laying on the ground and they were just like going at it. <laughs> and the air mattress was sinking and the cat, there was like the cat and it was in heat. And so the cat was going bat shit, that color <laughs> going at it. Brad and I were like, we're just trying to fucking sleep over here. Wait a second. Describe this story to me. She said that you guys were all in separate rooms. No! Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I thought you guys were upstairs and you could just hear them downstairs. It was an apartment. It was one level and it was one bedroom. So on an air mattress and Brad and I were on the ground in the living room. <laughs> and the people who had the apartment were sleeping in their bedroom. <laughs> And then the fucking cat's in heat, so it's like horny <laughs> as fuck too. <laughs> and Brad and I are just looking at each other. Like, I mean, should we? <laughs> what did you guys do? Did you guys just sit there? We literally, we like looked at each other and we, we could not stop laughing. And then we were just like trying to make it really obvious that we were awake in the room and that we could hear everything going on. <laughs> And they did not catch the hint. This went on for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. So I relate to both this moment. <laughs> it gave me flashbacks. <laughs> what the oh. fuck? That is not the same story that I got. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> Very sober and very tired. <laughs> and the air mattress was like the squeakiest thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. And I was just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Honestly, it's iconic, but I mean, like. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> they're so fucking horny. They didn't get their nuts. So they're like, well, we gonna have to go finish this somewhere. <laughs> so they go to this stream to bang. And they, like, get in the water, and it's, like, all steamy, and, like, she's heating it up with her magic, even though it's, like, fucking, like, negative 20 degrees outside. And the Cheshire show up, and she, like, pushes Reed under the water. She makes this, like, magic bubble so that they can breathe, but then her magic gives out, and she passes out. And when she wakes up, Reed has used his magic to uh, murder a bunch of his friends. And has also cast a spell to keep Lou warm from his own body heat and almost dies himself in the process. Then she dyes her hair blonde, which I can also relate to personally. 
because two weeks before my wedding, the chick left bleach on my hair for six fucking hours. And it also like gooed off like she like literally describes in the book. So I was like, oh, okay, relatable. This story is going well. At this point, I was like, okay, I'm like enjoying the story. I don't know why people are like shitting on it. I don't know why it has negative reviews. Like it is carrying like the same theme as the last book. And I wasn't mad at it, but uh, this is kind of where that ends. <laughs> so they decide they need to form an alliance with the Dom Rouges, the King, the Chasseurs and the Werewolves. And Ansel's like, I'm feeling a little useless, um, so I need you to teach me how to fight. And I was really sad about that, but it was also kind of low-key true. Then they realize that Morgaine has sent them a note, which basically leads them to believe that she is going to strike at the Archbishop's funeral. So they go to a nearby pub to try and get the deets on when that funeral is going to be. There they meet a man named Claude Devereaux, and I was like, I hate you already. <laughs> he reminded me of the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. He is very Mad Hatter. Gives me the creeps. And I was like, I don't like this. But they figure out the date and they kind of get their information. But before they leave, they're discovered and a huge brawl ensues. Lou goes badass witchy on everybody. <laughs> and she gets the asses. Reed, being the wimp he is, still refusing to use his magic and almost gets them killed because of it. But then Claude shows back up and basically blows up the whole bar defending Lou and Reed, and they all escape. I will say I did like this scene. I mean, I understood why Reed had reservations because he literally had, like, almost died, like, when the last time he used his magic, and he also, like, every single time he uses his magic, someone ends up dead, which sucks. But that's not the point of what I was saying. The point of what I was saying is... Lou was fucking badass, and I was here for it. But then, literally after this scene, this is where the book goes downhill for me. I agree. Lou was badass, and I was kind of here for it. it but you kind of get that glimpse of her as she's using her magic. You can tell that she's starting to pay a price. Right. You kind of get that hindsight, and it's like, okay, I see where this is kind of going. So Lou is hurt from that fight, but Coco heals her, and she's just, like, laying there pretending to be asleep, like, eavesdropping on their asses. And Lou, or, and Coco and Reed talking shit, and, like, she was hurt. And, like, I understand why she was kind of hurt, but also they weren't wrong. They were talking about how the more she uses magic, the more she loses herself. And it did become very evident in that fight because it seems like the more she uses magic, the more evil she grows. And you kind of start seeing some similarities, like her hair's turned white, she starts getting a little bit malicious in her fights and you're like, okay, I'm not sure I like where this is going. So after that, they're, t they're talking about their plan to go recruit all of these people to help defeat Morgaine. And they have decided that Lou, Coco, and Ansel are going to go try and get the Dame Rouges on their side. Reed, Madame LaBelle, and Bo are going to try and go get the werewolves on their side. Which they miserably failed at. Yes. <laughs> so they drop Reed off at the circus <laughs> with Claude Devereaux and this chick named Nicolina who creeps me the fuck out who is apparently a wraith, she shows up and she's like, I'm going to take you to the Blood Witches. And she starts like rhyming and it gets really annoying. <laughs> I, because uh, 
I was reading on Zoom with Brooke and she was like a little bit ahead of me at this point. And I was like, Brooke, I was like, do all the Rouges speak in fucking rhymes? If so, I'm going to close the book now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was no, thank God, but I could see this book going in that direction. <laughs> like, we've already taken a downfall. So, but something that I did recognize that Nicolina was saying, um, she was speaking in her rhymes and her riddles. Nobody really understands her, but she keeps repeating something that I thought was very interesting. She looks at Reed and she goes, my mice have been telling me over and over, Cosette, regret, forget. And I was like, what does that mean? She repeated it like three times. And I was like, there has to be a significance here. And so the theory that crept up in my brain was possibly Reed and Coco had slept together on their journey to go save Lou in the last book. And Madame LaBelle saw this and like wiped their memory to save them from that hurt that they not only would cause Lou, but also themselves. But it's never addressed. So we'll probably never know. <laughs> I also, I don't think that happened. I don't think so either, but that was my initial thought. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, it got a little validation. It got oh. me scared for a second. I know. But I was like, like, is this bitch right? Because I want her to be very wrong. <laughs> but like, why bring it up like that if, one, you're never going to resolve it, and two, like, something like that didn't happen? Like, usually when an author brings up a point, I'm like, okay, this has been brought up for a reason. But there are a lot of plot holes in this book to where we're like, this did not get resolved. And this is one of them. I thought it was pointing more towards the fact that she had like ran away from her people for so long and like the stuff about her mother. Oh, yeah. that would make sense actually. Cosette regret, forget. She regrets running off from her family and then she kind of forgot about them. But yeah. what didn't make sense to me is she kept saying it to read. Yeah. Nicola or whatever she's she's just fucking weirdo but and so my part ends with Lou Coco and Ansel walking off with Nicolina into the fire into the forest into the storm and Absalon follows them and so then we're kind of like oh shit like Ab the Madagot is here for one of those three and you can kind of conclude who it was Lou yeah Absalon is like probably the best character in this book, I have to say. Also, you guys know I didn't like Bo, like the entire fucking like book in Serpent and Dove. He's like one of my favorite characters this time. Just gonna go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, he carried the book. When I was just like, why is this happening? Why are we drawing this out? Where is this story going? He always had some witty banter that I was like, okay, this is kind of worth it. <laughs> right? He was like the realist, but like in a funny way this time. So my part starts off with Lou, Coco, and Ansel heading into the forest and leaving Lou and Reed kind of at a crossroads because tension has been building between them in a negative way, like this entire time, driving a knife in between their relationships. So we kind of get some separation from that. They come into the camp and it's already hella awkward. Nicolina is like still being weird. She continues being weird throughout the entire plot. And she tells them that she must see her aunt 
immediately. And Coco like banters with her and she's like, why? Like, you'll do as I say. And like Coco apparently because she is like the princess, her mom's not in the picture because her aunt and her mom don't get along, which I have a theory about this later. But she like has some type of like almost like vampire-esque power to where like if she's trying to assert her dominance, her people will like bend their neck like they're waiting for a vampire to come like suck the blood out to like show that like they respect her. It's some cult shit. It's some cult shit. (laughs) And I just am like, okay, continuing on. (laughs) (laughs) So she breaks down and ends up seeing her auntie. And her auntie is, like, coming for her, like, immediately. Like, it's been a long time since we've seen you, Coco. You've left your people. They are sick. They are dying. And it's, like, kind of your fault, bitch. Which it's not. We all know that. But... They basically get into this conversation where Atina, or whoever that is, is that how you pronounce her name? I said like Atinye, something. I don't know. All right. Well, apparently the king has like 27 kids, and one of the kids is a rude, and he's missing. Auntie is really upset about that. She's not keen on Lou, but she does make a deal that if Lou and Coco find him before the morning time, they will give Lou an alliance, which is what they are searching for. Also, side note, Auntie was really not feeling the Huntsman, aka Reed, which is why he wasn't even allowed in the camp in the first place. I really wish he would for the sake of this book. But she was like, I will not ally with werewolves and huntsmen. And so the author kind of starts bringing in characters and creatures that I really wasn't expecting when we read the first book. God, don't get me started on this. No, for real. This was my biggest qualm with the book is that I wish it had just stayed like witches and humans, like witches against the church. That was so interesting to me, like. If you can do the paranormal shit right and you can add all in all these other creatures without it getting really cringy, then, like, I applaud that. But, like, it's a completely – why would you add them in, in the second book when they didn't even exist in the first? It's, it's almost like it's telling a different story. It's like we're in a different universe. And I'm like, hold up, wait, what? I, I was so mad about this. I was like, please, just <laughs> – please don't. Right? It felt like a lot for the second book. Like, it just, that's what made it feel like there was all this filler space and, like, distraction because it's like we were, it's like we were building a whole new world again. Did not want that. (laughs) It took away so much from the actual plot of the story. Oh, my gosh. Then we go on to Reed's perspective again. We switch back. Reed is traveling with the circus. He's wearing eyeliner, throwing knives, living his best life life (laughs) really during this point reed is having trouble accepting the life he had versus the life he is living and not necessarily because he regrets it but mainly because it's so different from his original values and he has like broken apart from that and time and time again in very stressful situations chosen an extremely different path than what he had always grown up with So he is really struggling. Within this, 
Bo brings up some daddy issues, which I thought was interesting because <laughs> it never gets readdressed again. Like, <laughs> never again. Not surprised at this point. Bo makes this random comment to read to not paint a picture of their family like it's a fairy tale. And the, it, like it never gets addressed later. It's like Reed was kind of opening up to Bo and Bo was like, shut that shit down quick. And was like, don't even think about it. We all have daddy issues, Reed. It's not just you. Mm, I disagree, actually. Really? Okay, so what is your take? Yeah, no, so I think Bo makes a really good point. Like, Reed grew up without a family. He grew up without parents. So, of course, he's going to romanticize the idea of finding some people that he can relate to and finally have a father figure, you know, that isn't the archbishop. And of course he's going to romanticize it. And Bo, who has lived a life with his father, is like, no, I'm going to tell you how it really is. I'm going to be straight up. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not that great. And truly it's not. And I think it gets readdressed later on when they get captured. I don't know. I mean, I saw it that way as well, actually. Like, I know I'm, like, being frank with daddy issues just for time's sake, but... I felt like it was like just not addressed later. And I was like, okay, this sucks. Like throws, the king like throws his wife like up against the wall. And it's, you can kind of like, you almost get like a little bit of a glimpse into like, okay, is he a physical abuser? It always, it already seems like he doesn't care about his family. And now we're kind of getting, we're digging a little bit deeper into that. Mm, but I mean, between Bo and Reed specifically, because I saw this as like an opportunity for them to later build on their actual relationship because they are brothers. Okay. No, I mean, I get that, but the conversation was kind of based around their father and like Reed was asking about Bo's sisters, his twin sisters. And so I didn't take it as much as Bo and Reed's relationship as I did like Reed asking about, wow, I have all this new family. Like I want to learn about them. Like they're probably so great. I'm going to enter this new life. That's like so lush. And I'm going to have this family that loves me. And Bo just kind of shuts it down. He's like, I don't want you to feel that way because you're going to, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Which is true. I'm just saying, I just wish like Reed and Bo, especially since I actually started to like him, I kind of wish they would have had like a moment later on. Yeah, I do too. He had a moment with someone else that didn't deserve it, but I had a lot of hopes for this book. (laughs) drink <laughs> you know Bo makes his statement here comes Madame LaBelle she's got to throw in her two fucking cents too and she says something I like for once even though she approached it in a way that I didn't like at all she said there is more to this earth than in all your heaven and hell yet you remain blind I have said it before and I will say it again open your eyes read magic is not your enemy Which I was like, okay, we all know I don't like her, but I actually agreed with her in this moment. His relationship with magic is holding him back a lot. A lot. And more and more people are coming into his life, especially ones that he loves and he comes to respect that are telling him this over and over yet. It's very hard for him to grasp personally, which becomes very frustrating to the reader. But I guess it makes sense. Then we go back to Lou in the camp. We meet Gabrielle, which she also is a new character that I actually accepted. And I was like, okay, I like her. She's spicy. She's cute. She says whatever she wants. Like she's younger 
in the book and she just kind of like, you know, like has her own opinions and just says what's ever on her mind. Like generally most kids do, but like I found her as a very endearing and honest character. I did too. Which sucks because she doesn't make it very far. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She kind of pokes questions at Lou and, you know, Lou contemplates becoming the actual sorceress, what her mother is. Like if they, their plan is to take out her mother, she is going to inherit that power and become the goddess essentially to her coven, which I thought was very interesting I don't know. Like, I just, I really can't imagine Lou in like such a place of power. I really I don't. But I think it's kind of one of those things that it's like the risk versus the benefits. It's like, you know, her mother is honestly very malicious, very evil. I mean, it's very apparent. And it's like, Lou kind of doesn't want that power. She doesn't really want that position, but it's almost like it's sacrifice she's willing to make. And that's also something very apparent that, it's a, if it, it's a very common theme with Lou throughout this book. She, yes, is using her magic a lot, and she's getting inherently a little bit more evil in her intense as she goes along. It's very obvious, but she does it to save her friends. It's all in sacrifice. It's all for the betterment of those she loves. And I think that's kind of her outlook on having to take the sorceress position when she kills her own mother. Well, on their quest to find the missing boy, instead of the, them finding the boy, basically Lou kind of like felt this presence over her, this pull, and it was dark. She knew exactly where the boy was, and they went to him, which he was set up in the camp, charred, burned, minus his head. We then flip back to Reed again. Nothing really happens at the fucking circus like really nothing i was very interested in the tarot scene but it fell very short in retrospect with the entire book um reed is trying to figure out if there are other people like him because in this book there's really no such thing as like a male witch and so toulouse and theory they are psychics and one is like a mind reader kind of because his speech his actual speech was taken away so he communicates through people's thoughts in their head they hold up this one card for him and they say read tell me what's on the card like you need to know what's on the card guess what we don't find out (laughs) what's on the card (laughs) there was so much potential (laughs) there was i mean yeah i'm not surprised at this point Right. We flip back to Lou, which we were left kind of on a cliffhanger with the boy being found dead. And they go to have a funeral service for him. At the very end of his funeral, guess who also goes missing? Gabrielle. Apparently, she is also a love child of the king. And one of the only characters I have liked throughout this entire book is gone. (laughs) What fucking luck. (laughs) We go back to read and Madame LaBelle encourages him to basically seek out other women and like really think about his relationship with Lou, which I was like, that bitch, I fucking hate her. I was like, this woman 
first of all, mother-in-law probs, hashtag. <laughs> but two, like, who does she think she is? She has known Reed for, like, all of a month, maybe. And she's, like, acting like a motherly figure. I'm like, I think you lost that opportunity a very long time ago. Right. The dynamic is so weird. And like Reed just kind of lets her talk, but he, I will say, this is one of the things that I've always liked about Reed is he always tries to like speak honestly and be earnest. And he was like, they're not Lou. That's not who I want. I don't care if she drags me out into the abyss you know, like, I may not always be able to follow her, but I want to be with her. So I was like, fuck you, mommy. He <laughs> <laughs> came on too strong for me. Yeah. It was just like, it was distasteful. It was. Didn't like her at all. Like, I think she had good intentions. I think she was looking out for him, but it came across wrong. And like, the circumstances were just off. I was like, please shut up. <laughs> right. Yeah, she says, Louise's story doesn't end in happiness, but he says, I will always love her anyway, which we end with that, but then when they're actually together, it's like, okay, like, where is that love? Because I'm not seeing it. It's very far away at this point. We move on to part two in the book. Lou is actually at the carnival. We finally moved out of the camp. During one of Reed's acts, she shows up. This moment had potential for me. And I, I honestly liked it, but I kind of wish like it didn't end so quickly because it was like this really cool scene where he was like throwing knives at her where she was like this target and they were wooing the audience and he was blindfolded and they're like speaking to each other and like the moment is like tense and he was like oh my god like there's my woman type thing like i'm so excited when reed asks lou like a question lou hides the truth from him again and doesn't tell him the complete truth to spare his feelings but reed always knows when she's like lying he's never like i 100 percent believe her you know so he already catches that and it just creates more distance within their relationship, which drives me insane. Wrap it up, guys. I feel like it's for good reason, though. Like, Lou has not necessarily lied, but omitted the truth to him a lot, and he's starting to pick up on that, so it's almost becoming like a defense mechanism for him. No, I'm on Reed's side with this, trust me. Yeah, like, she's doing it so often that he's like, okay, I'm now just kind of expecting this. Like, I'm not happy about it. But he's putting his guard up a little bit more. Right. Like, that one's completely on Lou. A hundred percent. Right. They then reunite with the group. Ansel and Coco kind of go off to the side. Lou is looking over there at their shadows, and she's like, wait a fucking second. Are they kissing? Are they about to kiss right now? Here we go again. And I was so excited for this and just got like fucking slashed and discarded in a fucking trash can. It went down south fast. Which is fucking sad if you think about the outcome of this book. I know. So Coco is the one that actually kisses Ansel, but she literally backs away and she's like, I see you as a friend. And Lou and Reed hear this entire dreadful conversation where Ansel gets his heart ripped out 
I'm proud of him because our little Hufflepuff sticks up for himself and he's like, you've led me on. Like, why would you do this? Why would you say this if you didn't actually have feelings for me? And she gave him a fuck boy answer and I was not okay with it. Right. After they separate, Lou and Coco are kind of talking off to the side. Reed is consoling Ansel. The clusterfuck that this book is, Bass makes up an appearance. Are we surprised that we like need to relive through this character again? No. We were <laughs> because he showed up and you were like, who is Bass? <laughs> yeah. I was like, who is that? Because I wanted him long gone in my brain. I was like, okay, I don't really care if I give two shits about him. He was a, a shitty fucking character. character. A lot of these characters that I forgot about just show back up. And I'm like, why? Why? You're already introducing so many characters. Please don't bring him back. I was totally fine with him, like, not coming back at all. <laughs> but essentially what had happened is Coco does not get that Bass does not remember him. He stabs Reed, and everybody freaks the fuck out. They're trying to heal Reed, make sure he's alive. Lou gives Bass his memories back, and it's just kind of like, he gets his memories back, and then what? Like, what does he go off and do? Like, we don't know. All right, peace out. Peace out. Like, we don't see you again. Like, that's it. (laughs) While healing Reed with, like, the blood and honey, they get ambushed again by the people that Bass had, like, brought with him. And, guys, this part, it's just... When I say that this was the exact moment, like we were on a plateau, right? I was like going along through the book and I was like, okay, like I'm not really feeling it, but like, we're just going to keep on trucking. Here we go. We're about to go into the decline. Lou throws his magical sword, reads magical sword into a tree. And it is like the exact words from Reed's perspective. And then the tree ate it. The tree changed to silver bark with midnight fruit and sharp metallic thorns. Reed is pissed the fuck off because he is like, my sword is gone. But more importantly, why did that even need to happen? Why? You know, if you're, if like the tree just randomly eats something, like you would think that it would like start shooting out at their enemies, like little darts of like silver, anything, anything, but just that. And it never gets readdressed again. I don't understand how they personified the tree so much. They were like, the tree ate it. I was like, he ate it? But why? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Cause if you just throw a sword, into a tree you would think it would just like stab the tree and you could just go get it back out like what does the tree eating it mean did it have a mouth like what are we talking about here did it just disappear i don't understand like i was laughing about this for like almost a solid like five minutes i could not get over this scene because i was just like what the fuck (laughs) and i told brooke i was like you know this could have been completely omitted like it could have just like snapped in half while they're in battle like anything but the tree fucking eating it like this could have turned into some sorcerer stone type shit like he pulled it out of the tree like at the last minute he went back figured out how to like 
pull it out in order to like go conquer his enemies, something like this was so pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I just didn't understand it. It was just the way that, that it was written, that the tree ate it, that I just couldn't get over it. And I was like, where, where is this story going? <laughs> right. So Reed is pissed as fuck. And he's like, Lou, don't even talk to me. Give me some fucking space. Because he even said like, without my weapon, Without it, I am nothing. Like, I'm not a chessor. I'm not anything. He's just, like, in his own fucking world. Lou's, like, freaking out because she realized what she did. Like, after this, there's this really weird derail where Lou is suspicious of Coco and Reed. And I'm just like, what is even going on? What is going on? This is where I was, like, that Nicolette girl or whatever her name was. I was like, oh, okay, this is where that's coming into play. I was like, oh, shit. Right? I was reading and I was like, Brooke, that's fucking crazy. And then I read this sentence and I'm like, oh my God, is she right? If so, I'm going to throw the book away right now. Set it on fire. I don't care to finish it. Like a thousand percent. For that, for me. Because I was like, I am trying to DNF this book. (laughs) (laughs) Like a hundred pages in. (laughs) And not only that, but when she knocks on the door, like the author sets it up where she knocks on it and she's like, Reed, please come out. Like, we need to talk before we leave, blah, blah, blah. He comes out. Coco is, like, one of the first people to come out the room. And I was like, hold the fucking front door. What is going on? But then Ansel comes out. And I'm like, okay, I can calm my tits. Like, it's fine. But I was like, I swear to God, if she throws in a love triangle between these three, I'm not going to be okay. Like, at all. I was starting to get pissed. So despite that D-roll, they kind of make up, but like it's still extremely tense with them. And then they go out to seek the wolf tribe. But one small problem, Reed had killed one of the sons within the tribe. And um, they basically had a shitty ass plan. Reed was going to go up and challenge one of the wolves and like it literally like does not go according to plan at all. I feel like all of their plans were kind of like very poorly planned out because they were just kind of scrambling. They were scared. They were being hunted. They were, they just didn't, they weren't thinking very clearly. And that was very evident in all of these excursions to try and bring all of these allies to their aid. We are halfway through, so I think we need to go through and rate how drunk we are, and then we will continue. So, Jada, give us a little walkie-walkie, a little walkie-talkie. Let me stand up. Oh, shit. Um, Take a couple steps. Like, get a good assessment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a hard six. Oh, shit. Okay. I think so. I think I am. How are you feeling? I just threw back the last of my glass. So let me take a, let me take a little walk. I feel like I'm a good 4.5. So I feel like I need to keep going. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep going. So. <laughs> we have to with this book. I, I wish yesterday when I was reading it, I was like, why am I sober? <laughs> no. Why am I sober? <laughs> All right. Part three. Here we go. They hike up. They're trying to find the wolf camp. 
they're trucking through the mud alongside of the beach. They're like, this is kind of fucking gross. And it is. And they finally encounter the wolves. And the alpha steps forward and he's like, I don't care what you have to say. You killed my son and you're going to pay for that. And I kind of don't blame him. Mm-mm. Honest. We do kind of realize that it's not really his true son. It's more of his like adopted son. But even still. So he said, I want you to run. Run as fast as you can. And if you can make it to this city at the edge of our territory before I can catch you, then you, you can go free. But if you don't, I will kill you. He basically doesn't have a choice. And Reed is like, yeah, okay, I guess we'll do that. Like, (laughs) what else did you expect, Reed? Like, honestly, you know what you did, and you still confronted them anyways. It ended up working out fine, but it was still kind of like, okay, that was a poor choice. So he started running, and he was like running, but then he realized the mud was like tracking his footsteps. So he's like jumping through the trees, and I'm like, this is not going to end well. Mm-mm. He falls, plummets to the ground, and then Blaze, who is the alpha, catches him. And he's like, wait, don't kill me. Children are going to die. And then the wolf is like, say what? And <laughs> you sound so enthused. <laughs> <laughs> I am just trying to make this as entertaining as possible. <laughs> I'm not having a good time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> The, like, the wolf and his pack had made a proposition with Morgaine, and they had no idea about her plan to kill, like, 30 fucking kids. <laughs> and so at this point, he's kind of considering Reed's deal, but then he hears a loud yelp, and it comes from his true son. I think his name was Thierry or something like that. Maybe Tieran. No idea. So he sprints back, and the the ground is turning to ice. Little do we know, Lou is in the background. She's getting witchy again. She's kind of getting a little badass. And she has turned the ground to ice to help Reed to escape the Alpha and all of his wolf friends. And as the ground is turning to ice, they're like sprinting back because the Alpha's like, oh my gosh, my son. And Reed's like, oh my gosh, Lou. And so (laughs) they're running back. And Lou is losing her shit, to be honest. She has gone from badass to, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Elsa on crack cocaine. (laughs) 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 She's, like, shooting crystals at everyone. She's, like, impaling these chassiers. She's trapped John Luke in this, like, little ice prison and stolen his little knife. And everyone is kind of, like, whoa, bitch, like, you need to chill out. Like, Reed, Coco, Ansel, and Bo are all on the same side, and they're like, you're going a little batshit. Like, you need to reverse this because you're going to regret it. You're losing yourself. And they meant that with very pure intentions. And so she does. She takes the ice back. Everything turns back to mud. She, though, in the process, had, when she had turned the ground to ice, the son of the alpha that had yelped that made them run back had slipped on the ice and basically broken his entire right side. Coco offers to heal him and she does. And by doing this, the alpha and I think it's like his daughter and the son that was healed all are like, okay, we're embedded to you. We respect you. Like, thank you so much. 
and they're a little bit taken aback by the gesture. And in turn, they're like, okay, we will help you with your fight and agree to join their alliance. Also, we notice that Lou has three Matagots at this point. She has a cat, a mouse, and I think the other one's a fox. I can't quite remember. But I she's apparently got- didn't read that. Yeah, she's got all these creatures following her around, and she's sending messages to all these people through them. Hmm. I don't remember the cat. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was like 2 a.m. for you, so. (laughs) It was a long night. They leave the wolf territory, and they get up on Cesarine. I think that's what it's called, the main city where the first book originated, where the plot of the first book was. And they sneak through the border. It's a little bit harder for Reed than it is Lou. We're not surprised. He won't fucking use his magic. And they run and hide from the Chastiers who realize that Reed is a witch and that he's with Lou and that they're coming back into the town. I mean, not only is Reed a witch and that they're realizing this, but he has also killed the Archbishop. He is an enemy of the country at this point. And they run and hide and they go into like this basically like a metaphysical shop (laughs) there's like crystals and sage and like some bones and i'm like okay this is familiar (laughs) (laughs) i've been to one of those okay something else that never gets addressed is that lou knows the woman who runs the shop and and she's like yeah if you need anything let me know and reed's like do you know her and she's like yeah but they never fucking talk about it and we never figure out who this woman is (laughs) I'm like, okay, dead end. Why why even bring it up if you're not going to address it? That was like another one of my main qualms with this book because there were so many fucking plot holes. But anyway, in this metaphysical shop, they're standing next to some crystals and some sage and some dead animals and they basically break up. They're, they're like, I hate who you've become. It's like, well, I hate who you've become. And then they break up, very angsty. And so after that, they split up, but they end up in the same place. Madame LaBelle has, like, rented out through Claude Devereaux this pub slash hotel. And that's where everybody's meeting up together to figure out their plan. The plan that they come up with is that Bo, Reed, and Madame LaBelle will go and talk to the king. And Bo will kind of, like, present himself. You know, he's the king's son. He feels like he has a good pull with his father. And he's like, if things go well, then you guys can come out and speak to him and kind of tell him, what you desire to do with this alliance. But if things go bad, you need to run. Well, things go bad. (laughs) And basically, Madame LaBelle and Reed don't listen to Bo. And they're like, no, we got this. We're going to run out here. Madame LaBelle's like, he loves me. Oh, my God. She's she's so delusional. (laughs) I was just like, this is is just getting – it's getting worse. It's (laughs) not like – Honestly, it's embarrassing. Like, Homeboy has 27-something baby mamas, almost, and she thinks she's special. That's the fucking tea. Like, get, like get, a, get the point. Like, like honey, like, you need some fucking therapy. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Like, catch a hint. He is not here for you. He is just here to fuck and get it in. Mm-hmm. Which he's also kind of passed on to his son. But his son's a better guy than he is. <laughs> I mean, Bo's kind of a fuckboy. Oh, I thought you were talking about Reed. 
Oh, no, 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 I'm talking about Bo. I mean, Sorry. Bo's a fuckboy, but... I forgot to clarify the one of the <laughs> three fucking sons. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Madame Mobile and Reed run out there. They're, like, pleading with him, and the king is just, like, automatically shuts it down. He's like, nope, don't care. Arrest them. So, they get arrested. He, like, fucking drugs them with... Like, in the first book, they had this medicine that they would inject into them, and it would kind of render the witches useless. And he injects them with that and then throws them in a cell. Hope is kind of lost for them for a while. But to my surprise, I didn't see this coming. Bo's twin sisters come in and rescue them. They break them out of the prison. They distract the guards. And they're like, come on, let's go. But then the guards start coming back a little too soon and they can't break Madame LaBelle free. Unfortunately, she is left behind and as they are leaving the prison cell, they can hear her screams in the background. Do you think she's dead? I don't think she's dead yet. I think that when she dies, we're going to get like a big like I think we're going to get like a big event out of it. Hmm. Especially coming from the king. I don't know if the king is going to be like, oh yeah, I did love you and I just had too much pride or if he's going to be like, yeah, I never fucking loved you and it's going to be a heartbreaking moment where he like personally burns her at the stake. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. All right. So guys, I'm going to take us home. I'm going to hit the high points and not look back because I never want to read this book ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Lou is freaking out waiting for them basically at their safe house to see if Reed will return. She tells the crew in the meantime about their little breakup fight that they had and was like, he's never going to want me back. And I'm pretty sure it was Ansel. He was like, he always goes back to Lou. Like, Every, he's like, everything's going to be okay, guys. And it's like, funny you mentioned that because it's really not going to be okay at the end for you, Ansel, but we'll get to that later. Um, Lou gets so fucking distraught. This bitch gets on her knees and starts praying, which is very out of character for her, in my opinion. I told Jada we were reading it and I was ahead of her and I was, I was like, oh my God. God, (laughs) what? And I was like, she's praying. She was like, oh my God, no. (laughs) I was like, I need to exit the book now. So at the very end of their conversation, there was another quote that I liked that I'm going to go ahead and say now. And it was by our boy, Claude. He said, what you are now is not what you've always been nor is it what you always will be. You are a snake. Shed your skin if it no longer serves you. Transform into something different. I loved that line. I thought it was beautiful. I felt like you could actually take that home with you, you know, take it to heart. Instagram caption. <laughs> yeah, it's a really great Instagram caption. Um, you, you can apply it to your life if you feel like it. Um, it's just really up to you at this point. <laughs> And when you post it as an Instagram uh, caption, also, no one's going to read that shit, so. Tag us, Book and Boozy Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll read it. We'll hype you up. At the end of their conversation, Reed finds Lou and smashes through the door. And he basically is like, mom's gone. (laughs) 
he's gone, bitch. Okay. And then we go into Reed's perspective. Reed is really struggling with what had happened. And the Archbishop's funeral is also going on at the same time. So it's pretty intense. And they're watching the funeral from their safe house. And he kind of like starts having flashbacks of like moments with Lou, moments with the Archbishop, like when he grew up, how he came to be the person that he was. And he just really came to the conclusion that despite how he was brought up, what he believed to be true, he still chose Lou in the end. And he said, I did it all for you too, Lou. And as he said that, they watched the Archbishop descend into his grave. Reed admits to Lou after this that he is a witch, which is a very big step for him. So they're kind of both like confessing to each other. And Lou says, you are both a huntsman and a witch. I'm struggling so bad. I fucking hate this book. (laughs) Yeah, Reed admits he's a witch. That's all I really have to say on that. Then basically they make up and apologize. And when I mean they make up and apologize, I mean they fuck at a funeral. The end. Just we gotta address. We have to address this because we talked about this last night. But there's something about them and dead bodies that makes them like horny. Like, are we about to fuck right now? And like the other one's like, yes. (laughs) Which like some person is gonna be like, oh my god, like they just. Felt such a connection. They were rekindling their relationship. The emotion. The enemies to lovers. The witch and witch hunter. And I'm like, they're still fucking at a funeral. They still like to fuck next to dead bodies. I really don't care. (laughs) And it's not just that. It had a very weird vibe to me. Because it was almost like Lou was comforting Reed in the passing of her own father. Like, they had the same, if you think about it, they had the same father figure. And to me, it gets a little weird. (laughs) Yeah, but to me, like, the Archbishop is more of a father to Reed than he is to Lou, though. You know what I'm saying? Still, they they share a daddy connection, which is just tasteful. At least an aftertaste. And then they then they're just doing it in his memory. And I'm like, y'all have the same daddy pretty much. (laughs) And it's just weird. (laughs) It's not quite it's not quite incestuous. It's not I'm not making that claim, but it it leaves that weird feeling that just doesn't sit right. And I'm like, this is why is this happening twice? (laughs) It's like out of all the moments, like please, why? Just why? You know what I'm saying? Like any other time, any other time, I've been right. more than happy to read a sex scene. You because know what I'm saying? They were fucking. It was like literally right after she killed, what were their names? Like Andre and Gru? Yeah, and like the blood and whatnot. They yeah. were like starting to do it, and then they are like, oh my gosh, blood. But it was like later that night that they fucked for the first time. It's like they get off on this weird ass shit. It... It rubs me the wrong way, okay? It's just like, oof. Also, you know what also got me? Reed was like, embrace me, Lou. The embrace me thing? Like, I don't know. Embrace this dick. I was just kind of, fuck. (laughs) I was just kind of like, why is this creepy? Like, I just, I was not feeling the vibe. Did not pass the vibe check. Like, 
look at me read. And then they just like, Oh my God. I forgot about that. Oh my God. Yeah. The whole open your eyes. Like, Oh my God. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Look into my eyes. Remember that we had the same daddy. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) We're not putting that in there. Um, (laughs) Hell no, it's going in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I was so uncomfy and like, we're probably being overdramatic because we didn't like the book. Right. But like, are we, I don't know. It's, it's weird as fuck on its own, but also it was like 3am for me. And I was like, I'm over this shit. (laughs) This is the last fucking straw. <laughs> the first book was so good. Like, where did we go wrong? <laughs> so Speaking mad. of going wrong, we're about to, we're, we're about to just really just fuck it all up at the end. So we move on to part three, our final, final part of the book. Lou receives a note from, I keep wanting to say Morgana, but it's Morgan. 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 Okay. She okay. receives a note from Morgan that if they don't. That's definitely not right. Okay. Lou receives a note from her mother that <laughs> her estranged mom. Okay. Let me start this over for the fifth time. <laughs> Lou receives a note from her mother that if they don't rescue Sue. <laughs> if they don't rescue what? Celia? Celie. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know if that's right either, but that's how I say it. <laughs> you were like, Sil? And I was like, what? Sil? Yeah, okay. So Lou receives a note. <laughs> any of these goddamn names all right so (laughs) so lou receives a note from her mother that if they don't rescue reed's ex-lover come midnight she's gonna eat her heart out everybody panics somehow jean-luc ends up knowing where the safe house is and he's like when we gonna go get her that's my girl and apparently like Jean-Luc has been in love with her this entire time and Reed like apologizes for later but it's just kind of like interesting I don't know I was kind of like when I heard this I was like okay why is the problem (laughs) (laughs) eat her heart (laughs) and (laughs) and like no one gives a shit about you Jean-Luc like I like no one (laughs) believe it was like what if you were going to kidnap anyone for leverage why her tourist choice like literally if i was lou i'd be like yeah she's just gonna have to she had a good life (laughs) (laughs) and so in between this time they're trying to figure out what to do coco takes some of lou's blood in order to see what is about to happen within the near future come to find out this little riddle because they don't know exactly who they just know it's going to be a male who Lou apparently loves and is extremely close to is going to die tonight. If she goes down there and saves silly. So Lou was like, fuck that. I'm going without y'all then we're not having it. She slams the door, wields it with her magical powers and is like, bye bitch. 
Then everyone else decides to scramble because they're like, we're not going to fucking sit here. They're like, we got to go to another exit into the catacombs and find our way in. Before they leave, they're like, Ansel, stay the fuck here. They are really hurting his fucking ego. He is not that bad. Like, I don't understand why they can't just let him go with them. Like, why do you have to isolate him? I just, I was not, I was not here for it. However, it is like the worst mistake ever that they decided to leave Ansel there. Fuck y'all. <laughs> I'm not happy how this ended. Lou finds the Tremblay tomb in the middle of the catacombs. And before she can reach Silly, Ansel shows up. She's like, how the fuck did you get here? And he was like, I'm smarter than that, Lou. Like, you sealed it off to Reed. You didn't seal it off to me. So here I am. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help Salee. Like, we're going to do this together. And Lou was like, no, no, no. This isn't going to work. This is the worst character right off. She, like, literally tells him that he's a piece of shit and that he needs to stay behind and that he's useless. And despite that, like, he has such a great character. He was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm staying with you. If anybody had character development from the first book to the second, it was Ansel. Right. Mm, I'm so upset. I'm very upset. And honestly, I thought Ansel was going to be the one to die. Like, I know you called it and I was like, yeah, that makes fucking sense. And you know, if I was Lou and I realized he was going to be rigid and not like stay there, like I honestly would have told him, okay, like I was just trying to ward you off. Like, let's just fucking do this thing. Right. But she didn't said that they had this long track through the tunnels to find her mom and she just was never like hey i'm sorry that was fucked i shouldn't have said that and she didn't right so they find salee they get her up she's like been laying with her dead sister for weeks yeah and they take her to morgana and she has to because she's charmed like literally Salee, like she either goes to see Lou's mother or they like she's just gonna lay here with her fucking sister and rot that was like the case they're like okay we have to go see her i nauseous yeah it's so fucking gross yeah the way they even just like she described it too it was just like right like her sister's juices were on her it's like she wasn't like completely decomposed yet so when they meet uh lou's mother she kind of puts up a front and in between that time where they're going back and forth the group finally catches up and reed tries to take her out Morgane throws a fireball at his ass and I was like no like there's no fucking way Reed's gonna die he didn't Claude ended up deflecting it Claude and Morgane have this little reunion and this is just like a what the fuck moment he turns into a deer a goat (laughs) he's like a goat man oh I thought like the antlers no oh my god he's a goat Maybe he's a deer. I don't know. I pictured it like literally that dude from uh, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe where he's like half goat, half person. And I was like, I fucking hate hmm. I was imagining him as like a deer because generally like, because he's like a woodwoes or whatever the hell that is. And like deers are like really symbolic to forest. So I thought he was like a deer or something. He could be a fucking goat. Who knows? Honestly, I don't really care. I just know it's cringy. So- Same hated 
he talks about how his sister is extremely displeased with like how the entire situation turns out and that she's even taken a liking to Lou. Whoever his sister is, apparently she's really powerful. And Morgana's like, Morgan, Morgane is like, <laughs> Morgane is like, fuck you, fuck your sister, fuck my daughter. I don't give a shit about any of you guys, but she knows she's outnumbered. Before she exits, Ansel was standing too close and she takes a knife and stabs it through his skull and bounced. I'm gonna fucking cry right here and I didn't even cry when I read it. <laughs> and Lou is screaming. Coco is running over towards him. Reed's like, what is even going on? And they're panicking, trying to find a way to revive him. And Claude is like, he's, he's dead, guys. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing you can do. Like, he is gone. I'm like, you're fucking God. <laughs> like, I called it and bring him fucking back. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, goat man. <laughs> I hate you, goat man. Just bring him back. Like, this character didn't deserve to die. Madame LaBelle should have died. Madame LaBelle probably die. But Ansel, no, did not deserve to die. Anybody besides Ansel deserved to die. It's like we went through this erratic plot that didn't even make sense. And the only character that like truly made any growth, like in my opinion, my opinion, Ansel, our sweet little Hufflepuff was the one to get fucking stabbed. Well, and like, he was also the one who was like, I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. Like I'm trying to better myself, but he also never got that opportunity to grow. He never got better at fighting. Nobody really even gave him the time of day to even try and help him to fight and become a better person, even though he was trying himself. And it's like, that's just so fucking heartbreaking to me. And then the last, literally the last words he heard that are spoken to him are, you are worthless. You are useless. And he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that. And still he almost basically sacrificed himself because he was standing in the doorway I mean, it's, he probably could have moved, but in his brain, he was probably like, I'm going to try and give my all for these people that constantly shit on me, but I'm going to try and prove myself to myself. And that's the thing, like literally what you just said, like he, like his friends were toxic. In my opinion, I think Ansel was bullied by the group almost. I no. really do. Every single one of them are to blame for this fucking action. Mm, not for the action, not for his death. He was in the way, like he, I'm not saying he could have moved, but he was just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. But I don't think that was anybody else's fault. No, the fact that that's what the last thing he heard, something that echoed in his mind that he felt like everyone else thought that they kind of reinforced. That's the last thing he heard. I'm just like, I don't have words. No, same. It's it's heartbreaking. It really is. I kill anybody else, but not fucking Ansel. Are you kidding me? Like I, would that hurt? You know what? Like, it's probably done any worse. It's probably why she chose to kill him because he was like honestly, in my opinion, one of the most innocent of the characters. It's gonna get a rise out of the readers. It's going to like put into perspective what actually happened to the characters. So hopefully they get their fucking shit together. But to me, it just seems so fucking just like this didn't need to happen. There are so many other ways this could have gone. 
No, but she leaves all of these characters that I have a little bit of sympathy for without giving them proper endings. Like the Archbishop, yeah, he had a lot of fucking faults. He's very two-faced and he, he made some mistakes, but I think that he deserved a better ending than he got. Ansel was her second victim in the next book. Ansel was faultless, unlike the Archbishop. And he had a lot of growing to do. And honestly, he was probably one of the characters that had the most potential to grow. And she didn't let him get that far. In fact, she shot him fucking down even more and then killed him off. And I'm upset. I'm upset with the characters that she's chosen to kill off and how she's chosen to kill them off. I just don't agree with it, to be honest. Give him a little bit of closure. Both of them. Archbishop and Ansel. A little bit of closure. A little bit of dignity dignity before they die and then to top it all off they just fucking left him in the cave yeah that's the thing like something that really like fucks with me is like he doesn't get a funeral right saying so i hope they make that a part of the next book otherwise i'm like legit not gonna read it i am already planning on not reading it unless the reviews are good to wrap it up we end on a cliffhanger coco's aunt and Nicolina are bad. Doesn't surprise us. I mean, they were already sketched from the beginning, but they pull Lou into a room where she is spellbound. No one can hear her screaming. And they pour in a black liquid potion to where they're going to be able to now control Lou. The last scene is Reed and the crew sitting at a table and Lou comes out and lays a kiss on top of Reed, but we know as the readers that that's not Lou actually kissing him. And that's what we end on. He's basically possessed. Which honestly, like, I wouldn't be so mad at the ending if I just didn't hate, like, everything that led up to it. So, right. No, I'm just mad at the ending. <laughs> I'm mad at the whole fucking thing. So... Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. I know we normally start off with how drunk we are when we end out a segment, but I want to know how you would rate the book before we get into some of our topics. Do you want me to be honest or do you want me to be generous? (laughs) No, I want you to be honest. Like say what you say, what you feel. Honestly, I would rate it a one out of five. I know that's really fucking harsh, but I had Snapchatted Jada earlier and I was like trying to make sense of it in my head. I was like, you know, I was trying to compare it to something else that I've seen or read in my life. And I was like, I almost compare it to Legacies, which is a spinoff from the Vampire Diary slash originals. And the reason I say that is because Vampire Diaries and the originals, 10 out of 10. Like that show was absolutely phenomenal. There were a couple of plot holes, but not ones that were so significant to where I was frustrated. Like ended great. It was sad, but it was still like, okay, like I have closure. I'm okay with it. I can move on. Legacies is just so piss poorly done. It's almost an insult to the franchise. And that's how I feel with Blood and Honey because the first book was a five out of five. It was so freaking good. It had so much potential. And this book ruined it for me. Absolutely fucking ruined it for me. There was no plot. I could have started at page 400 and gone on and not even read the first 400 pages. No, I completely agree with you. Like I kind of 
To be honest, I wish I would have never read this book. I was scared to read this book when it came out. I had pre-ordered it. It came late by some like incident. And I saw everyone's reactions and I was like, now I'm scared. Like, I really don't know if I can read it, which I'm glad we went ahead and put our ep- episode out about Serpent and Dove because like, I feel like blood and reading Blood and Honey would have ruined like that book for me because I rated Serpent and Dove a five out of five. I honestly would have been happy if like, that's where it ended. And like, we didn't read anything else about the series. This series, I felt like the characters didn't even sound like themselves. I just like felt like what she was trying to do with the character building didn't work. It felt like a filler book. It was very disappointing for me. I'm refer back to our disclaimer. I mean, on this guys, but we're just giving our honest opinion and we don't want to like ever deter you. It's not necessarily from reading the book because you might have your own opinions. I've talked to people who like the book, but like me and Brooke are very on the same page and we are just not having it. I rate this book a solid two out of five. That being said. Oh, look, like we're just honestly trying to be very transparent. Like we don't want to be those people that beat around the bush and it's like, oh, they're just rating it higher because they want better reviews, maybe from the authors that listen to the stories. Like, yeah, we don't want to fucking disappoint the authors because they have worked so hard on this and we recognize that. But, but at the same time, we're going to be honest and we're going to give you our opinions. As book podcasters, it almost seems like we're almost endorsing these books as we give you a schedule. We're like, we're going to read this and this and this and this. And it almost influences you guys to buy the books and read along with us, which is kind of our goal. Like we want you guys to read along with us. We want you to enjoy the books that we read and we want to hear your input, like and your thoughts and your feelings. But at the same time, like if we read a book and we're like, we really disliked this, like we really did not enjoy reading this. We're going to let you know because we don't want to lead you astray. We want to seem genuine and we don't want to feel, we don't want you to ever feel like we're just doing this for clout. We want to give you, we want to give you our true opinions and we want to seem completely transparent. And that's what we're doing with this book. Right. We are very hurt as readers right now, which is why we are trying to get as hammered as possible to forget that this ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had been hammered last night at 5 a.m. when I was fucking reading this. I know, right? Like, why am I not drunk? I cannot do this sober. Um, let's kind of get into our usual thing, and then we'll rant. Okay, sounds so, good. Janet, give me a little stand-up. Give me a little walkie-talkie. How drunk are you? Um, let me stand up. I think I went back down. I think I'm like a five. You always do that. But I peed. Like I went and I broke the seal right before this. But honestly, I plan to keep on drinking like even after the podcast. I feel like I am a solid, honestly, I want to say like a 6.5 to 7 at this point. Ooh, nice. After I peed, which is surprising. Hmm. So I'm feeling good. I think that's a good place to be. I told myself I was going to have to be a 10 out of 10 for this fucking book. Not quite there, but not drunk enough either. (laughs) Not to sound mean or malicious, but I just want to get the taste of this book out of my mouth. I want to discard this from my brain and start something anew because I literally told Jada last night after I finished the book, I was like, this makes me want to quit reading for like six months. 
or more. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It was so bad. That's pretty bad. I will say I'm sticking to my motto. The best way to get over a book, good or bad, is to get under another cover. <laughs> oh, shit. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We need that's a palate cleanser. <laughs> never encountered a book that has made me feel this way. And so I'm going to try this method and let you know how I feel. There is a book that I did not finish even that while I was reading, I was like, yeah, I kind of just want to be reading the other book now. I really took it for granted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you told me about it and I was like, oof. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap this up, I hope that you're still here. Some people kind of leave at this point, but um, before we wrap this completely up, let's talk about the points that we thought were not resolved in this book because we have several. Jada has a lot. And I think that they're all completely fucking valid. The unresolved points in this book, Blood and Honey, that I thought really fucking pissed me off. Why were the Madagots following Lou? We know Madagots are there. They're almost like familiars to follow a certain character along that has some troubling issues in their life, but it's never like addressed the points of why they're following Lou. Like, yeah, she's got a lot going on but what are the specifics like can you can you dive a little deeper that's all i ask mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the cosette regret forget that i had mentioned that the nicolina kept saying over and over to lou jada made a really good point on this and i really like what she had to say but at the same time it would have made more sense had she not said it to read, but because she said it to read, I was kind of like, is there something else going on here that we as the readers don't know about yet? <laughs> Point three, the tree ate the knife. Pointless as fuck. Like, <laughs> pointless as fuck. They made the tree like personified eating a knife like it just did it just fucking disappear like it went straight into the tree and just disappeared like what the fuck happened i don't understand like i laughed forever <laughs> i laughed for like five fucking minutes because of this i was like what this makes no sense it pissed me off a little actually because you know if you're gonna at least make that point like redress it somewhere and make it make sense and then <laughs> And then the woman in the metaphysical shop, how Lou and her had a connection and they had a past and Lou was about to tell Reed how they knew each other. And then it just cut off and they never addressed it. And that pissed me off. And Jada has several more that I missed that I support a hundred percent. So Jada, what else do you think was unresolved in this book? First of all, we're going to start off with the plot because to me, the plot did not make sense. It really didn't. You can't change my mind. If you want to argue about it, contact us on our Instagram direct messages. I am all up to like other people having their own opinions. I think that's really cool. So if you like the blog, I want to know why, because I'm over here like I fucking hate it. I really don't understand. The characters didn't even seem like themselves. And I'm just like really upset about it. Second thing. The tarot card, we literally, we'd never find out what was on the tarot card. I thought that it was really cool. And she even brought it up at the very end, but like didn't follow through with it. And I was just kind of like very let down because that was an intriguing part for me. Gabrielle, it's kind of like, 
I'm just salty about this one because I actually really liked her spunk. But it's like, did she die? Like, I don't even remember. She didn't die. She okay, so. Proud. Remember when those people were, like, floating in the sky? And she was laying, like, at the steps. And then she, like, ran off. She ran yeah. off. But we still don't know what happened to her. All right, so where the fuck is she? Did she get crashed by the catacombs? Like, when it imploded? What? Second, the antler dude, which apparently Brooke thinks is a goat. I think that it is... <laughs> a deer we don't really like honestly his character actually had a lot of potential as well if you really think about it but it fell short it, and, it also felt like the first book it made it seem like the christian god versus witches kind of thing and then we moved into the second book and it was like all these other paranormal creatures like werewolves goat man mermaids and then it was like the pagan gods well okay here's the thing i will say lou had said like your god is may not necessarily be my god there are other gods out there so i kind of expected there to be some element but i didn't expect it to be like this yeah maybe that's my own fault for having too high of expectations i don't know i don't think it's your fault but But that's her creative liberty. That's where she decided to go with it. Reed and Lou still aren't fucking married. They tried to address it at the end of the book. Didn't address it. I guess it's going to get addressed in the third for sure. I think Coco's mom is still alive. And I think she was actually on the good side. And I think that her aunt, because she raised Coco, had kind of like manipulated her at a young age, made her think that her mother was this horrible person. And she actually was someone who was trying to stick up, but her aunt overthrew her, took control and was like evil. And honestly is probably the cause of like her people dying, like actually making them sick. I agree. The last, some of the last couple things I'm going to bring up Ansel's funeral never happened. He got crushed with the catacombs, which just fucking sucks. No closure. There better be something in the next book. Madame LaBelle, where is she? We don't know. She's gone missing again. And she also kind of went missing like several times throughout the story. Yeah, she did. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I looked at Jada and I was like, I've lost Madame LaBelle. Right? And also, like, I thought it was a horrible ending. Like, that cliffhanger didn't make me want to read, like, the rest of the book because it's like, you made me go through all of this back and forth. The fucking circus. Like, the, I don't even know. Like, in the middle of the book that was just so filler, it wasn't even funny. No one really evolved, in my opinion. No, I agree. And then we end on that, and I'm just like, I can't. So, yeah, that's it. Jada is also put at the end. <laughs> Absalon and Bo carried the fucking plot. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read anything so true. In my life. <laughs> oh shit. So yeah, guys, let us know if you like the book. We had a couple people reach out. Well, when I say a couple, I mean one person reach out and say that they actually like the book. Majority of you guys said that you felt the same way we did. You may not feel as passionate, but we're just really let down. Follow us on Instagram, and this is also our YouTube handle, Booked and Boozy Podcast, and send us a direct message, or you can also contact us through bookedandboozy at gmail.com. Booked and Boozy is also our, our handle for Twitter, TikTok, 
and Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash booked and boozy. Um, that's pretty much it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We appreciate all your continued support and encouragement. And by which. By which.